Welcome to the Academy of General Dentistry podcast series featuring Dr. George Schmidt. Each episode features experts in the field of dentistry who share insights and inspiration to help you succeed. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Our guest is such a prolific talented and interesting person we're going to talk about everything from brand strategy to social media to to teledentistry and i'd like to welcome melissa turner onto the program well hi george thank you for having me it's an honor it's an honor to be here and to get to chat to get to chat about brand strategy right it's it's what i love to do so thank you for absolutely having me. yeah absolutely and you're so good at it. we'll talk about that in a few minutes but i just want to tell everyone a little bit about uh, melissa Melissa Turner is a fresh force of change, is on a powerful mission to transform the future of dentistry for both patient and practitioner. She is a fractional executive and advises companies and DSOs on brand strategy and product growth. A top millennial content creator, she is a key opinion influencer, a dynamic speaker, and represents a new generation in dentistry through a focus on inclusion, practitioner well-being, and innovative technology. Chief Hygiene Officer and Director of Social Strategy for Celerant Consulting Group, Turner leads the Celerant Best of Class Hygiene Awards. An expert in teledentistry and mobile healthcare delivery, she is co-founder of the National Mobile and Teledentistry Conference and is a founding board member of the American Mobile and Teledentistry Alliance Nonprofit Association. Affectionately known as At The Tooth Girl, Turner is a creator of the iHeart Dentistry Network, a community focused on supporting under-recognized groups of dental professionals and is also a co-founder of the Denobi Awards Gala, a prestigious red carpet awards program honoring unsung heroes around the world who move the dental industry forward. Turner's Turner's latest launch is iWoman, a podcast for women founders, executives, and entrepreneurs that discusses what it takes to unleash their inner roar in the boardroom, the bedroom, and beyond. (laughs) <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. You want to talk about the boardroom or bedroom beyond, George? We can you, we can take it wherever you want today. Well, maybe we'll get there. We'll see. Uh, yeah, you got a lot going on. That's really good stuff. So, so tell me, how did this all start? Oh my goodness. Well, it's one of these things, and I'm sure I'm sure maybe even you or some of the listeners can kind of identify with this. But you know, I graduated dental hygiene school in the early 2000s and you get out right into clinical environment. You love it. You love your patients. You love what you do. And then you get a little bored, right? It's same in, same thing day in and day out. Um, and so it was at that point where I realized, you know what? Like I love, first of all, I love the stage. I love planning events. What can I do in dentistry that that is needed right now, event-wise? Um, what can I do technology-wise? I think I think for me, my um, kind of the backbone of everything I do is kind of big picture strategy. And so it's because I've been in dentistry a long time, I can see where it's going. And what I want to do is just help my colleagues, practice owners and hygienists and whoever else is here in dentistry with us kind of get there faster and thrive along the way. And so no matter if I'm at the Denobi Awards or presenting or working behind the scenes with uh, a dental product or service company on a brand launch, uh, no matter what I do, it's really to advance dentistry and just kind of help nudge us along just a little bit faster and have fun while we do it. 
Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I mean, obviously you're, you know, I had the great fortune to see you at uh, the Speaking Consulting Network and and you really do do a fantastic job on stage and and you're you're quite a presence. So uh, really good. Congratulations on that. You've really done a wonderful job. And uh, also, I mean, you're a key opinion leader, right? I read where your social networks span about 100,000, right? With a reach of up to 250,000 since the pandemic. I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. How did you create that? You know, it's having fun. You know, people will ask me, Melissa, how do you how do you do all of this? And I say one thing just leads to another, and then they they you know bounce off each other. And it's it's just when you can combine your passion with your talents with your career, it just kind of explodes. And that's that's what's happened to me over the past decade, uh, specifically more or less in the past five years. It's just kind of exploded. Um, and it's one of those things where I, I see a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who are practice owners, who are dentists, and and they're right there. They right there. They want to explode. They want to do more, but they're stuck in clinical all day. So that that's a topic for another conversation. But um, it really is. It's it's when all these things combine that you can start to have some fun and really make a big positive impact on whatever industry you're in, even if it's. Even if it's, I don't know, podiatry versus dentistry, what's better? I'm not sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, so you have you have so many followers across so many different platforms. And there, there's a lot of people that would, of course, like to have that reach. For somebody that's just starting out, they're just trying to sort of get some traction. I mean, what are some of the steps that they might take where they could go down that road? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is to be authentic. The other biggest thing is to... Uh, is to have an omni-channel approach. And and I'm in the middle of creating a, a new course, a new CE course about this. But one of the biggest mistakes we can do um, as business owners or as speakers is to think that social media is your best friend and to think that it's everything, right? So for me to get 100,000 followers, to, for me to get a huge network, it's never going to be just on Instagram or just on Facebook. It's through all of these seeds that I've planted throughout the years. You know, it can be a Facebook group that has a couple of thousand folks. It can be an email list. It can be these seeds that have planted and have been cultivated. And I think that's where the key is. Anytime, anytime someone really focuses a lot on one um let's just say Instagram. If you want to get 100,000 followers on Instagram, that's great. That's well and good. But what happens when Instagram changes their algorithm and you can't do what you were doing? So diversifying, just like in any business, diversifying is always great. And that's really how you can help grow grow networks like this. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. You want to make sure you're diversified, especially mm-hmm. you know in different things. But I guess a lot of what you're saying here too is that is that you really need to be genuine. So you've got to have a passion about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You really need to, you really need to have a passion about what you're doing. And, and, um, you know, you've created so many different brands. I mean, where do you come up with this? I mean, let me just read a couple of the brands that you've sort of pioneered, if you would, the national mobile and teledentistry, uh, conference, the Denobi award. Uh, we'll talk about a few of these in a few minutes, dentistry gone wild, I heart dentistry, oral health United, American mobile and tele, uh, teledentistry Alliance. And of course the I would podcast. I mean, do you sleep? I sleep really well. (laughs) I sleep really well. And it's these ideas, you know, as with any startup or any dentist who's first launching their practice, these ideas will come 
when you least expect it, right? The other day, I'll share a little personal story. Last week, my husband took my kids hiking and camping for three days. And that was the first time in probably a decade that I have actually been home alone. And he left, my kids left, and I was, it was like I was on some kind of medicine that just took me everywhere. It was the biggest kind of brainstorming session and strategizing session that I've had for myself in a long time. And I was least expecting it, right? I was just gonna watch Netflix and probably order order takeout, right? And here it is. I spent the entire time redoing my website, redoing some of my branding and all these things because it comes when you least expect it. And I think um, a lot of times, I don't know, as women, or maybe even as clinicians, a lot of times we don't get to harness our creative side very often. And so anytime that that a little creative burst comes, it's important to just take it and run with it. And, and that's what I've done instead of saying, no, I'm going to put this off and I don't think I can do it. My lesson now that I've learned the hard way is to say, okay, I'm going to launch this and see what feedback I get back kind of put it out there as a beta test, as an A-B test, see what I get back and see if there's anyone that wants to join me on this and see if it if, if it speaks to an audience. And if yes, I'm going to pursue it. So that, that's, how, that's how I've gotten here. Yeah. Really great advice. So let's talk a little bit about a couple of these. So tell me about the iHeart Dental Network. What's that's mm -hmm. That really sounds like a fantastic program. It's this, so this George, this launched um, probably about seven years ago. And that was right when all of these social media, Facebook groups specifically started taking off. And dentistry, we love our Facebook. We love our Facebook groups. We love to get dramatic in Facebook groups and all, all that happens there. Um, but about seven years ago at the height of that, I had been a clinician for a while and I had worked in private practices, but also in some public health organizations providing mobile dentistry. And this was the kind of, you know, it was, we went into schools and provided free care. And I realized at that point um, that there were really no resources for mobile dental clinicians or organizations. There was nothing supporting them. And by that time I had lived all across the US, I had four different state licenses. So I had kind of gotten the big picture and knew that there were a lot of people that were involved in these organizations and needed support. And so that was the, the initial pilot of, um, of iHeart Dentistry Network. So I started a Facebook group called iHeart Mobile Dentistry. And then through that, I, that took off. And a couple of years later, I realized, you know, this is a very positive group in a sea of sometimes not so positive Facebook groups. And I, I thought to myself, there are a lot of other dental professionals who feel undersupported in dentistry. And it can be as simple as those who are left-handed, always walking into a right-handed op. You know, that, that'll wear on you. Um, and so I started creating these Facebook groups for these, these folks who feel undersupported. So we've got LGBTQ plus dental professionals. That's one of the groups. Hard of hearing dental professionals because we are all hard of hearing <laughs> now to some extent. Uh, we have spiritual dental professionals and the list just goes on and on and on because we all want to feel heard. And this is one of you know the backbone messages that I have in my life, but also in my career. We all want to feel heard and we all want to feel supported. It's just a matter of, of getting systems to um, understand that and acknowledge that. And so 
the whole premise behind iHeart Network is not to build groups that are huge, it's to get the conversation going. Um, so for instance, one of the one of the groups, the LGBTQ one, because of that group, another group launched. And because of that group, now we're starting an advocacy organization for those of us in this community or allies in this community that want to support um, our friends and, and colleagues who are dental professionals. And so it's it's the things like this that lead from one step to another um, and that can make a difference. Yeah, that's, re I mean, that's really great. I mean, when you, when you have a group like that, that reaches out to so many of these other groups and, you know, inclusivity, <laughs> a little tongue twister there for me, uh, you know, it, it's so important nowadays. And we see that, we see that in so many years. So when you, so you speak of all these groups, are they under the one umbrella of iHeart Dental Network, sort of that over encompasses all of these and they, and sort of that you network amongst each other or is the, is, how does that work? They're all separate groups. So we have an educator dental professional group. So they may never want to have anything to do with the vegan dental professional group, <laughs> but at least they're there to start the conversation and to, I should have a meat loving dental professional group now that I think of it, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. It's, it's just to get the conversation started and to, to help bring support. Yeah, so they are, they're all under the umbrella, but they're all function as separate entities. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, there's so many folks out there, of course, that could fit into so many different groups. And that's a wonderful uh, initiative that you started there. And that's that's fantastic. Congratulations. You. Mm -hmm. So you spoke about mobile dentistry. Of course, that's, uh, you know, bringing everything out. And so I know there's another thing that you're really passionate about is teledentistry. Mm -hmm. And I know, um, you know, you do a lot of speaking and, 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 and give some courses and things like that. And one of your courses is called The Future of Dentistry is Here, and it focuses on teledentistry. So give me your thoughts on teledentistry now. I mean, um, obviously we had the pandemic where a lot of uh, folks were seeking this kind of uh, treatment. Um, where do you see the future of teledentistry? Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for asking. I think this is probably one of the most important messages I can provide to your members as general dentists, as practice owners. Um, you know, And it started back when I worked for that mobile organization. It was a nonprofit. And it was right when telehealth had taken off and it was right when the teledentistry codes were first being implemented and we were finally having the technology to actually utilize virtual care in, you know, outside of aligners in our dental practices. And what we did then is I revamped this organization to include teledentistry, virtual care, and to include um, mid-level providers and, and, and kind of things that are a little bit outside of the traditional box in dentistry. And it maximized everything. We grew, it maximized our cl clinical schedule. It created a more efficient workflow. It just, it just did phenomenal things. And so then what I realized was, well, this is not just for public health. Virtual care, care delivery, mobile care, it's not just for public health because I'm a millennial and I want this, right? What I wouldn't have given over COVID for a dentist or hygienist to come to my house and take care of my entire family, right? And then I know that my neighbor would have seen that and been like, hey, can you come to my house too? Like it's it's this kind of, um, what's the best marketing out there for your practice, really, I believe. But it's one of these things where uh, millennials specifically want everything to come to them. But now since COVID, everyone wants everything to come to them. And so that's one of the biggest messages that I can give you know, back in the day, mobile dentistry was simply just for public health or going into nursing homes. And now we have mobile clinics that scale really fast across the U.S. 
that are going to Amazon headquarters, that are going into workplaces, and they run very efficient, very fast models. And so uh, I truly believe that within the next five or 10 years, we're going to see this shift where you're not just going to own a brick and mortar dental practice. You're going to own one with an arm out into the community where you're going and seeing patients in their houses, in their workplaces. You're going to have a virtual arm out into the patient's phone, which is the best way really that you can communicate with them easily. And we tend to underplay it in dentistry just because we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Um, one of the, one of the, my biggest, um, kind of theories that I have, you know, is we we know that the boomers are the majority of our patients right now. And we know that they don't have long before they, I don't know, lose a little bit of autonomy, right? So what are we doing as dental practices to ensure that we can still see these patients, even if they lose autonomy, even if they lose insurance, even if they can't drive in the dark anymore or drive to come see us? That's going to be a huge patient base that we lose in the next five to 10 years. And so I work with practices weekly to help implement virtual care and mobile delivery to counteract what's going to happen. Because those that don't, I, I you know, in five to 10 years, you're going to have holes in your schedule. You're going to be like, why, where is everyone going? Why am I not doing crown bridges anymore? Why am I not doing as many implants? And it's because the boomers have are, are are leaving the practice, right? So if we can take the care to them, then that solves everything. And then we don't have to add on to our practice and square footage. I mean, there's that's always great, but that's high overhead. You take care to the patient's home, then it really decreases a lot of overhead. But I was reading, I don't have it with me right now. And I was reading this month's um, Fortune magazine. And in it, they were interviewing CBS and a couple of the other top tier big healthcare companies. And one of the points they made in that article was that these big healthcare companies are focusing now, starting right now and the next couple of years on care delivery because they understand that this is what patients want, taking the care to them whenever possible. And it's truly possible in dentistry right now. So that's my message. That's my biggest message for practice owners right now. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, and you made a good point. You know, oftentimes we think of mobile dentistry, mobile dental care, and even teledentistry for geriatric patients. And of course, we know Sonia Dunbar out of uh, Florida, a, a good a good uh, uh, partner of yours in some of your mm -hmm. endeavors, right? And she has a great practice doing that, mm -hmm. and 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 has done really well with that. So it's it's really good stuff. Um, when we think of teledentistry, of course, in in a lot of us think of it pandemic wise, like I said before. Um, you know, we think. Um, that that was a tremendous service, but do you think teledentistry in and of itself is going to continue on in that form? And sort of by that, I mean, and let me piggyback on that and say, um, do you think this is something that the practice would um, gravitate towards as a solo practice, or is this something where you would join a group that provides teledentistry? Because I know there's a few out there, I'm not going to mention, you know, brand names, but there are companies that provide teledentistry they could sign up with. Well, it all depends on what your business goals are. And when I work with dental practices one-on-one, -on -one, this is this is this is what we walk through. There's there's teledentistry that you can use to get cold leads, right? From the internet that are patient-facing. And those you can use third party for then platforms for, and then they funnel it back to you. But then, you know, on a on a day-to-day -day clinical basis, 
I would use teledentistry for any of the quick visits that you don't really need the patient to come in for. You know, as a hygienist, I remember, and as an assistant too, I remember there'd be these patients that come in and literally the dentist just needs to look at for two seconds, right? A post-op. But yeah, we want to give more value to the appointment. So we sit them there for 10 minutes. We have a good chat with them. We make them feel good. Like they're coming in for a reason, right? These are the exact visits where we can do it virtually now. And it's more, more efficient schedule. It's not as much cost, not as much overhead. You don't have to have someone set up a room and tear it down. You don't have to take time out of your clinical schedule. And it's, it's those little look and see appointments and also new patient appointments. It's a good way to filter out patients that aren't a good fit for your practice, whether they're deciding that or you're deciding that. If you have an initial virtual visit with a patient, even if it's just your office manager doing it and not even the dentist, that's a great way to filter out the patients that are just going to come and leave because they don't like being there. And so truly what I see is that you know, five to 10 years from now, we're not even talking about teledentistry because it's already a part of everything we're doing. We're already communicating with the patient virtually. We're already sending them text messages, um, sending them videos. They're sending videos back. And it's, it's not that difficult when we think about how much we use these technologies outside of the dental practice. I mean, it just makes sense to pull them inside the dental practice. But I will say this, there's there's a couple of myths that I usually have to, to bust when I first start working with clients about this. And the, the one thing is understanding that teledentistry isn't just these face-to-face, -face, live, virtual video chats. There are plenty of ways that you can use teledentistry more efficiently. So there's two CDD codes for those that aren't familiar. There's one um, for asynchronous teledentistry visits and one for synchronous. The synchronous is the live video chat. Asynchronous is anytime you collect data and then the diagnosing provider looks at it at a different point, a different time, usually within a day or two. That's asynchronous. So an example of that would be, I have a friend who his hygiene department was backed up for months after COVID, right? We all were. And so what he did was instead of coming in, stopping what he's doing and going and seeing two to three hygiene checks every hour, he saved all of those hygiene visit checks till the end of the day. And he went through the records. The, the, the hygienist would do a video of the dentition, which is very, very um, helpful, more, even more than photos because you can stop the video wherever. They would do all the charting, all the radiographs, and he would look at, at the end of the day, and do his hygiene exam at that point. And so, I mean, even just looking at a basic schedule, that is way more efficient. If you don't have to get up during your crown prep or during a, a two-service filling, I mean, how would you feel, right? And if I don't have to wait, on the flip side, if I don't have to wait 15 minutes for a dentist to come in and do their thing in the dental chair and then leave, that creates a more efficient schedule for me too. So he was able to really catch up on his hygiene visits doing those asynchronous exams. But then you, you do have to make sure that, you know, who the third-party payer is okay with that, the legislation in your state, you know, what constitutes an evaluation in, in your legislation and things like that. But it definitely is possible in a lot of states to do it that way. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about the coding and the, you know, synchronous and asynchronous. And uh, so just going back real quick, because that's a really interesting idea, uh, uh, the doc that was, uh, you know, doing the hygiene exams at the end. So was he actually 
going back uh, through like a Zoom call with that patient with the information? He'd just look through it, and if there was a, he'd send him a report, or if there was a problem, he would call them. Is that how? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. Typically, and you could do it either way, depending on what you think your patients would want, but also what works for your practice. You could call them. You could have the hygienist. You could also just have an administrative personnel call them and say, these are the findings that that doc pulled up. Um, when do you want to schedule? And so, and then, you know, the next time you see the patient, you can actually, instead of pulling them in to review the treatment plan right then, you can just do it next time. If you see the patient for an MO on 14, you can spend an extra 10 minutes during that appointment, kind of going through and answering those questions with the treatment plan at that point. Yeah, I mean that may be some that that may be some great advice and have great value for a lot of the listeners out there that that have these kind of problems. Because even after COVID, I mean, with staffing shortages, which is I know is another thing that you that you're keen on speaking about there, you know, some hygiene departments are backed up for months, weeks, and months because we just don't have the staff to support uh, support these kind of things. But I think that's I think that's great stuff, and I think you also make a good point. Uh, about where, you know the future of teledentistry because let's face it everything is digital everything is zoom everything is online everything is right now in the world that we live in and I, and I think that uh, I think you're absolutely right that you know our field may gravitate towards a portion of that in the future mm -hmm. and and you know right now it's you know you start with the easy patients with the easy appointments you start with the kid with the mom who's like oh my god my kid fell down what do I do you start with those patients and eventually you'll find out your rhythm and and what you want to do. A lot of a lot of the practices I work with will carve out a half an hour at the end of the day or half an hour during the doc's lunch where they will actually video chat with with these with these patients. And what will happen is an admi administrative personnel will get the patient queued up on the on the video chat, right? And then the doc just pops in for 2 minutes and and is done. Um, so it's one of these things we've learned a lot from COVID. Pre-COVID, the doctor would do everything. They'd get the Zoom up and they'd welcome the patient and wait for the patient and then close out the Zoom. And now it's like, no, like the administrative personnel, the front desk people can can do this and get it queued up and ready and waiting for them. So on a teledentistry sort of on that subject, I mean, we all as dentists get, you know, our patient chips a tooth and they send us a picture. Oh, God, look, just what just happened to me. So, you know, in theory, that is teledentistry. And, uh, and I guess those are billable services or could be, but what you're saying is make sure you check with your providers, your insurance company and your state legislation to make sure that that's actually on board or on the other. Yeah. And, and each state will be different. Um, and that's, that's something I know these state practice acts backward and forward these days, and they are boring as hell, but it is, it is, it is something, and they keep changing too, but at the very least case scenario, you can always charge a, uh, like a service fee or a delivery fee for these kind of appointments, even if insurance doesn't cover it. And that's something that, you know, patients expect now. The other day I was traveling and I ordered Uber Eats. I ordered Taco Bell from Uber Eats. My service charges and taxes were way more than my food was on that bill, but I was okay with it. And so for patients to pay for convenience, they'll totally do pay out of pocket for that stuff and they'll be fine with it these days. Not every patient, of course, but for the most part, that's where we're headed because we're so used to these service charges now. So even for someone in a state or working with a third-party payer that doesn't reimburse for those, there are things. But I do have, I do have a lot of de dentists who will simply, you know, if it's a new patient, they wanna do a five-minute chat with the patient prior to the patient coming in. They'll do that for free just as a way of 
communicating just as a bonus. And it, it can help retain patients. It can help bring back patients that have gone inactive since COVID as well. Um, that's a good, just getting them on the phone for two to three minutes face-to-face. They'll bring, it'll bring some ownership back to them and you can reactivate those patients and get them back in the funnel that way. Yeah, that's great advice too. We we all have those patients and we need that. Um, so, so I want to switch gears. Two things I want to talk about. One thing we just talked about before was, of course, you you know you're you're really big on on social media. You got the big following and all that, you know, and that takes a lot of content creation of content. Is that something that just comes natural, or you have to really work at that? Because it seems to me that this would just take me all day long. It it does come natural, but what ends up happening, George, and I'll be honest. It's, you know, I'll, I'll write a course, let's say I'm working with Patterson Dental and I'm writing a course for them. What I'll end up doing is using that content in photos, in a blog, in a LinkedIn post, on my website. I'll use that content for every channel I have. So that's a way to streamline um, some of the efficiency uh, of content that I see. And that goes back to practice owners too, who who are running their social media and who have an email list and who have a blog and and they're trying to create all this content for all of those things, that's one easy way to do it. Just anytime you have something to say, format it differently for each of the platforms and blast it all out that way. You'll be surprised at how many people don't do that. <laughs> but use 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 an omni-channel approach for all of your content and, and it's much easier than it than it seems. Sounds like great advice. So, so we absolutely have to talk about the Denobi Award and the Gala before we finish up here. So, tell me a little bit about this. I know it's a big thing. It's mm-hmm. a it's a red carpet event and all that. So, so talk to us about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is and this is one of my dearest passions right now. It's my baby. So over COVID, uh, we knew that we wanted to start an awards program at some point at some time and have it be kind of like the Dental Oscars, right? glitz and glam, a time to just celebrate. And so over COVID, we realized, well, everyone is a little bit frustrated right now. Everyone's a little bit depressed in dentistry. What can we do? Maybe it's time to start Denovis. And so we fast-tracked the production and the event production and everything, the branding. We fast-tracked it and we said, it is time to launch this awards program because dentistry needs something to look forward to. And so uh, we had done like a systemic review of a lot of the awards programs in dentistry. And what we found was most of them were lifetime achievement awards, which those are great, but let's be honest, who wants to win an award when you're at the end of life, right? Um, And most of them were also only for clinicians. And, you know, behind the scenes, I work with a lot of um, brands that are product and service, dental manufacturers or distributors, and so I have a heart, I'm, one of my passions is for startups and the technology that they bring into the field. And when do they get recognized, right? So we created the Denobi Awards as a recognition for anyone in dentistry. You don't have to be a clinician. You don't have to be a well-known face or name. It's for the unsung heroes in dentistry. And so we're going on year four every year at the, at the final night of our mobile and teledentistry conference we host the Denobi Awards. It's a separate event. It's just hosted at the conference. And it is a prestigious, real prestigious and really fun time. I'm in tears the whole night. Uh, But what typically happens then, October through December, we'll open up nominations. And this this is around the world. It's not just in the US or Canada, it's around the world. And then in January, we have a short list of 
not very short. We always joke about it. It's about 50 people that our judges narrow down to 50 people. And then the night of the gala, there's 10 individuals that are, are named as winners. And then we have one individual award called the Dr. Lou Schumann Pinnacle Achievement Award. And that's the highest prize. That's the marquee prize. Um, and then we have one clinical team that actually wins as well because the, the teams as units don't often receive a lot of recognition either. So each year we get hundreds of nominations and press coverage in the journals. And it's this fantastic event. We open it to the public if you want to come. And then also any of the nominees uh, can also come as well. So this year on March 2nd, 2024, it'll be in Dallas, Texas. That is so great. There, first of all, there's so many, you know, unsung heroes, as you say, behind the scenes. I mean, you know, our industry often, you know, the dentists or, or you know, some maybe some staff members at, you know, at the marquee, but there are so many people behind the scenes that make so many great things happen. And to have an, an event that actually honors those folks is just amazing. Tell me, tell me what's the criteria? So what, I mean, it may be complicated, but what's the criteria to submit someone? Is it a, you have to send in a, uh, like a bio, like a bio, a questionnaire, and what do you use to judge everyone? How does that work? Yeah, so if you go to denobiawards.com, uh, you'll see the nomination form, and you can self-nominate. I know some people are like, I would never nominate myself, but hey, you got to start somewhere, right? So it'll be a bio, it'll be any kind of links, it'll be social media links, it'll be why you want this person to win, what the what good they're doing in in the universe. Um, and they can be even doing good things outside of dentistry, right? Like they're dental professionals, sure, but they could win because of something they do outside of dentistry. Uh, typically, we have about two to three colleagues from outside of the U.S. that win that'll fly in. Um, so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal. Um, but it's it's one of these things we don't want anyone to feel intimidated that they're not going to be nominated. So you can nominate yourself, and we also didn't want to make it. Um, one of these awards where you have to get votes from the public to win because, you know, that's just a social media game, right? That's just, okay, how many people can you get to vote today? Um, so we wanted it to be prestigious and refined and something that that has a lot of value in it. Um, so we're, we're, you might see there's a, there's some social media campaigns going out right now about Denobis getting ready for nominations to open in the fall. Um, so you might see some of those come through your feed. Yeah, that's really great. And, and I'll, I'll absolutely look forward to seeing that and I keep my eye, eye out for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, we could probably sit here and talk all afternoon, but we're out of time and I really appreciate you coming on. I wonder if you would just share the various contact uh, points again for us for all the different things we talked about uh, with our with our listeners. Yeah, that's fine. So if you're interested in contacting me about anything, the the easiest way is to find me on social media. So on on Instagram, I'm the Tooth Girl. Otherwise, you can look me up. It's Melissa K Turner. I also have a website too. There's a widget on the form that you can fill out uh, contact information, and my team will get get that to me. Um, so the website is melissaKturner.com and it might take me a week or so, but I, I respond to everything. Um, so go ahead and contact me and then eventually we'll be BFFs and you can have my phone number and then we can just text all day long. <laughs> That's really great. So listen, I can't thank you enough. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, George. And thank you to the listeners. Absolutely. And, uh, I'd also like to thank our producer, Kristen Gover, communications director for the AGD. 
Uh, if you like what you heard, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on the AGD app, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or suggestions, contact us at news at agd.org. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.